Hello, I'm Joe. And I'm Ricky. And this is episode 15 of season 3 of the Beer and Broadband podcast. Uh, it's slated to come out on September 28th, 2020. And uh, we have a whole bunch of technology news that we're going to talk about, uh, that stuff that we're kind of interested in. I don't know how much you guys are, but it's around graphics cards. I love to talk about graphics cards. But we also got some brewing topics. And um, as promised in last episode, I am going to talk about my iPod um, obsession. I'm kind of obsessed with these things. Uh, but first, let's talk about the brews. And Ricky should be drinking the um, spiced sizer that I made. Um, so while he's while he's taking a sip and thinking about it, this is a Lawthen BM 4x4 uh, yeast sizer. It started out at um, 1082, so 1.082. Uh, finished dry. Uh, it's uh, about 10.7% ABV, almost 11. Uh, and the, the recipe that I used for it was one that I just kind of came up with on the fly, uh, but it used some of the other things that I've done. So I used a pound of wildflower honey again, um, a gallon of apple juice, Mott's apple juice specifically. Mm -hmm. uh, I used uh, double the amount of Earl Grey tea that I normally use uh, in my, um, my wines. I, that, that was the same thing I did with the last one to give it a little bit more tannin. Uh, put some cinnamon, uh, more whole cloves, and some raisins in it. Then I also put one cup of light brown sugar into it. Mm. Um, when I, when it went to secondary, I, I added two ounces of rum oak chips. So I basically had a bag of four ounces. I split them between the two um, in uh, June 7th. And uh, one of the things that I was just shooting for with this is to see how much the flavor would change from one that's not spiced with those extra spices to mm -hmm. one that is spiced with those extra spices and would like just to kind of see the difference in, in them. Because the regular sizer that I made, uh, I used light oak spirals, not rum oak chips. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did everything the same except I didn't include the, um, the cinnamon and the whole cloves in it. So... We'll get a chance to see how that goes. That one actually went to a higher ABV also, mm -hmm. uh, okay. just by, by one point. Uh, so it's like 11.8% um, ABV versus the 10.7. Um, For some reason, it was a higher original gravity also um, by just like a, a few points. I don't really know why. Um, but anyways, so back to uh what you think about it tell me tell me what you tell me what you think about it. tell me what you hate or you don't hate yeah this one's not too bad i don't like it as much as the last two we did um i think my main critique of it is it's got a lot of like secondary flavors fighting each other like there's hints of a lot of things and you get some nice like sour from the apple at the end um because you know if you don't back sweeten a lot the primary thing that sticks around in an apple is the uh, the acidity of it but i kind of want something to step forward and be like that's the primary flavor kind of like as we got like the clove with the piment that was really clove up front and then some other stuff at the end i'm just getting a lot of stuff at the end i'm not as getting as much stuff in the front as i want this had just as much clove in it as the piment did yeah but it's got all these other things sitting with it at like similar levels you know I, no, I, I, I'm yeah. not. I'm not arguing that. What I'm saying is, it is interesting. The pie mint flip picked up 
the clove, I actually feel like I didn't put enough clove in this. Like I needed to put more clove into it mm. and more cinnamon because I put the same amount in both. Gotcha. Um, so uh, the I feel like, so th this is not my favorite out of the three that we're looking at, you know, within these last three episodes. I felt like the pie mint and the ginger beer did better. I actually prefer, well, we'll, we'll talk about which one we prefer out of all those things uh, when we get around to looking at the... Um, the next batch of recordings that we do when we look at the um the other sizer um but this one it was very strong flavors to begin with because i had some you know mm -hmm. right at the beginning and then it just like lost all of its flavors as it mellowed and i'm not really sure why like i don't i don't get it but it's it's almost 11 percent abv it's not quite 11 percent abv so i'm not really sure why it doesn't have some of the flavors that it had, but I mean, you're right. Like I agree with everything that you said. It's the secondary flavors are fighting. Maybe I shouldn't have added, you know, some of the rum chips to it. Maybe they, um, kind of broke some stuff down. I will tell you one thing. When I originally drank this, the wood flavor, like the woody kind of flavor from the, the rum chips was just so overpowering. I couldn't taste anything else. Um, at first. And then as I let it set for a little bit, I actually started getting some of the secondary flavors to come in. Okay. I wonder how much of that, and this is like a legitimate question. I don't know the answer. I wonder how much of that is the difference in tannin between things like grapes, which are just all tannins. I mean, that's why it's so dark to things like apples, which have very few natural tannins in them. Cause you know, the tannins like coat your tongue, and maybe that process kind of helps other flavors stick out. Possible. I'm not 100% sure uh, one way or the other. Yeah, I love the science behind that. I just know like that's one of the things tannins really do is they coat your tongue to change flavor profiles. And maybe they bring other stuff with them. Or maybe they just like block some taste buds out, which is why some things taste stronger than others. But yeah. it's interesting, you know, you're using very similar recipes and you're just changing juices around one that's high tannin one that's low tannin and you're getting really different flavors mm -hmm. yep exactly um i'm not i'm not sure why that happened or how that happened or what well, one thing i can say is that of all of the apple based things like the both both the primate and the sizer that i made came out super clear that Lawven BM four by four really worked really well to clarify the um, the um, the the wine, you know, the yeah. or whatever. Um, I'm I want to go back and play with this some more. I feel like there is some potential here. It's just it hasn't. It you know like like when you go up to somebody and you say I see a lot of potential in you, but you're not reaching it fully. I feel like that's the kid that this wine turned into. You know? Yeah. You're just not reaching your potential, Timmy. Go back and try some more. I'm going to put some... Um, so one thing I'm going to do is I put um, a little bit of honey and like two ounces of, of it, like maybe a teaspoon of honey. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to swirl it around. And as we're, as we're talking about our other topics, I want to come back to this one and see see how it um, mellows or brings out some of those flavors 
um, and see if it's any good, like whether or not that's, it just needed some sweetness to bring out like one flavor overall. Yeah. It. Um, so let's, uh, let's talk about the RTX cards that are coming out. Um, you know, I just kind of included a link for you to look at if you mm -hmm. wanted to look at the 30 series cards. Oh, I've already been looking at them some. I, I'm interested yeah. because we're hitting the point that uh, I'm considering either building or buying another computer. Because the one I've got right now is a couple of years old. Um, it's, I'm still going to find a use for it. I think it'd be great as like a little media device to put by the TV. But, you know, I, I benchmark my computers around the games I want to play. And I mostly play older games. I don't play a whole lot of new games. So it never really matters. But I'm going to play Cyberpunk. And it's kind of right at that cusp of will they play it really well or not. Well, your your computer should. I mean, you need a new graphics card yeah. to play it. Because you've, you've still got that old 980 Ti, right? Yep. It's not, it's not old, but, you know, it's uh, the older graphics card that said the 900 series which that that was a good graphics card when it came out um mm -hmm. and you but you've got that generation's uh like core i7 in, in that computer right no i don't think i have the i7 i'm pretty sure i have an i5 okay well the i5 i would i would replace then yeah uh well i don't know man an i5 from that generation still was a good computer it really um, is the thing that's going to hit me with that um it's not really so much the processor it I'm also starting to hit other issues of things I want to do with this computer. Like I was going to get a new Oculus VR until Facebook came in and said, yeah, but you're going to need a Facebook account for that. And yeah, <laughs> and we're going to look through the cameras on your face. So I'm now starting to look at, I'm going to need one of the, like, what are they called? The valve index. I know they're working on something else. Yeah. There, um, there's a, the HTC Vive, which is fantastic. And the valve index, they're both really good. Yeah, I mean, I've only got like two. I got I got no USB Cs on the entire thing. I've got two um, USB three. Everything else is USB two. So like that motherboard really needs probably a swap out. And the point is that I'm replacing the graphics card, and I've done the, the dimensions of it. I'm not sure because of how small a case I have because it's a small form factor computer. It's going to be a real tight fit for that graphics card. And now I got to get a new motherboard for it. At some point, you're just like, maybe it's time to repurpose this machine to play the games that are less intense, but I like to just sit back with a controller and play anyway, you know, put that in the bedroom and, so, and look for something to play the heavier stuff. Well, let me tell you, um, a 2060 KO, you can get them. They're fairly small. They're about the same size as your 980 Ti. That might be where you want to go. They're fairly inexpensive. And you, I mean, you, they're, they're going to have a little, uh, a, a little bit better performance, I think, than that 10, 980 Ti. They may be a little bit less, but they have some of the newer features that you want, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they, they're still around like three, $300, but, you know, like you get one of those. So I just recently built uh, over the, the break that we had, I, my kid, um, one of my kids said that she wanted a, to build a computer with me. And so I said, okay, I'll go buy one. I bought a, um, uh, a, uh, Ryzen five, um, 3650. I don't remember what graphics card, what, what <laughs> processor I got. For, it was a third, it was a 3600 X I think, uh, or a 3650 X. Anyways, it was, you know, like a good processor. 
throw it in there. I like I I I'd like designed the whole thing. I just kind of forgot the 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 particulars of it. Uh, and I could look it up, but I'm not going to right now. So, anyways, I bought that. If you if you're interested in knowing the build, I bought I bought it for. I threw it in a case. The case didn't quite fit in her desk, but it's a beast of a gaming computer. 32 gigs of RAM, um, 2060 Ko. Um, you know, and and I've I've got it set up so that I can add more stuff to it as we go along. Has USC USB C on it, you know, other things like that. The case was pretty great. Got RGB, put some RGB strips in it, have an RGB controller. Pretty awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if if you're looking to build a computer, those are great. I know you like to go the system integrator route, so you could you could find something that's kind of similar to that. But I can test testify that that is a really good um, setup. Unless you're planning on doing like some sort of other thing with it that might require like an intel chip i think as far as like gaming goes right now that's about the best bang for your buck is to build something like that because it was less than it was like fifteen hundred dollars to build the whole system including all the extra bells and whistles and everything that i put into it and it was great but your system i mean i'm still i'm my my system is going to run cyberpunk fine and i have my my processor is a 4700k and it, so it's, you know, an older, um, processor. I've got a 2070, um, you know, in the, in the system. Um, so I've got an RTX card in it, in it and I've got, um, 16 gigs of Ram, you know, so like, it, but I think didn't you have 16 gigs of Ram in the computer that you have there. Yeah. 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 So I think that, you know, looking at la- the, the prices for last year's or last generation's um cards are already like just plummeting and this is the thing i love about this right Mm -hmm. now so we're we're about to get we're we're circling back around here right Uh, like on the wagon train the thing that i love the most about the 3070 3080 and 3090 being priced the way that they are is that they are automatically bringing the prices down from the like two thousand dollars for a 2080 ti Mm -hmm. down to like the reasonable levels that they should have been to begin with Exactly. Well, that's kind of why I've been looking at the 30 so much, not to buy a 30, but to being like, okay, well, these are great, but I don't need them. But man, look at these 20s that I was like, I'm not sure I want to drop all that money on that are just tanking. So I'm probably not going to buy a 30. I'll probably buy a 20. They're just going to be so much cheaper now than they were when I looked a couple months ago. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't wait. So the 2060 is a really good card. The 2070 is awesome too, but I can speak to that from personal experience, you know, and, and I, I believe that the 2080 TI and all those other things, if I get a chance to grab up a 2080 TI, I'm going to, I'm probably not going to buy, um, a 3070 or a 3080, um, right off the bat. I might buy one eventually and replace my 2070. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really itching to buy my, to build myself a new computer mm-hmm. and i think if i if i get my ccie this year as a gift to myself for all my hard work <laughs> that that is going to be my the thing that i do i am going to take some of that um you know celebratory money that i'm probably going to spend on myself and i'm going to spend like you know twelve hundred thirteen hundred dollars and build myself a nice ryzen based because it'll be my first AMD based, but Ryzen based gaming computer. Probably I'm really impressed with the one that I built for my kid. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I've been looking into Ryzen. I know we talked about it before, but you know, it's been a couple months. You get a chance for new drivers and stuff to yep. come out, and I'm only hearing good things. So the only problem that I had with this is I the, at first I was like, look, I'd really like for you to learn some Linux because she's she she wasn't really trying to like put as much effort into it as maybe she should have for you know as much effort as I put into it. Mm. Um, and, and look, my kids are great, so I'm not I'm not down on her at all. Like I'm super proud of her. I love both my kids, all three of my kids that I have. Um, one of them is a bit of a screw up, but I still love him a whole lot. But both of my girls, they are just super responsible. They're awesome. You know, girls, if you ever listen to this podcast, I think the greatest of you, like you're awesome, but I know that you struggle with some things. And one of the things that, um, that she was struggling with was like, what do I do with this computer? Like, why am I, why, why are we putting so much effort into making this thing? And I still think she's got a little bit of that. So I was like, Try Linux, just try and see if you can learn about it. But for some reason, the um, the the motherboard, because this was right around when I built this, this was right around the time that the new uh, X570, I think is what they are, motherboards came out. It's what, whatever the newest high-end motherboard for that, you know, um, Ryzen chipset that I, I put out there. And mm -hmm. just for some reason, uh, Pop! OS didn't support the NIC that was in it. So the, oh. network, the network driver just never came up and I couldn't get, and so I ended up having to install windows on it to get it to work. Um, so that's the only thing, I mean, and I know you're not going to install Linux on it. So um, that's probably not as big of a deal for you. But for me, that was kind of like, a, Oh, really, man? Yeah. That sucks. But yeah. So I'm super excited about these cards may eventually get one, but I'm more excited about, the 2070 and the 2080 Ti, because I'd love to have a 2080 Ti. I'd just love to have it. Have you heard that they're not going to put SLI on the 3080s? And the, yeah. And, and yeah. The, yeah. You know what they're putting them on this this time around? No, I, I just heard they were going off the 80s. I didn't hear where they were going. To the 90s. You know you, you know what the 90 is, really? right? Yeah, yeah. The 90s basically like they're Titan. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um and so they're going to put it on the 3090. So imagine having two 3090s. It's an eight. It's a card that will run 8K games. Imagine having two 3090s in SLI. I can only imagine how screwed up and complicated that's going to be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think that's probably a good decision because you know SLI and Crossfire have not really had a very good return in games for a long time. You know, they're because there's always always overheads when you're bridging hardware like that. And it's super useful when you're on like really intense things. And games are no longer really considered um, intense for how powerful these graphics cards are now. You're talking about like media rendering and things like that. And that's probably where it makes the most sense. And that's also where you're spending the most money. Like when I you're putting up... Yeah, Normally good. that's where the quadros go, right? But mm -hmm. if you've got a like a, a thirty ninety, like a Titan, that's like kind of aimed at that market, you know, the, it's like the bridger between the the gaming graphic cards and the um and the stuff that you do for like productivity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I didn't I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was just no no no. But yeah yeah, you, know, you finished my point. It's 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 a better jump into that market, I think, for them. Because I can't think, unless we get really heavy, really fast into more VR, I struggle to see what are you running that you need 
two thirty eighties, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And especially like we're probably going to be in a place where AMD and NVIDIA are releasing some pretty amazing stuff in the next couple mm-hmm. of years. I've been, I've been reading up on the, the, I think it's the 66,000 series AMD cards. I, I didn't, I, I didn't put it in the notes and I don't remember the exact numbers. I'm terrible with that stuff. Um, but you know, that those things are looking to be some pretty sweet cards too. Um, and while they don't have some of the features that I like from the NVIDIA stuff, like the game streaming things and the RTX noise enhancement and stuff like that, I really do think that they're, they've got some good tech there sometimes. So I'm, I'm looking forward to having something that comes out that's competitive with Intel. And I think Intel knows that. I'm not Intel. I don't, what am I saying? That, that, that I think NVIDIA knows that maybe there's some competitiveness there, and so they're trying to hedge that to make sure that they stay out ahead of the the um the that market with their 3070s and you know really the 20 the the 20 series did not go over as well with people like most people still got the 1650s and 1660s mm-hmm. uh, they really didn't get it from that last generation they didn't yeah get the, well the price point was just crazy it's hard to justify that yeah absolutely i mean i bought one after it had been on the market for a while and i bought it where the 2070 was at a reduced price. I didn't buy it when it was like at its max price. That was, it was like 800 or $900. It was ridiculous. Um, yeah. So let's talk about the job market, man. Um, what, so get, what, what is your take on like, there's a lot of people that are being laid off right now. There's a lot of, there's a lot of talent out there in the job market. So it's really, um, you know, a, a different job job market than maybe the last time we talked about this topic. So what's yeah. what's going on there for you? Yeah, it's it's a bit rough. There's like a lot of movement going on right now. You got and it's more bursty. I think that's the big thing that I'm seeing in in the job market. At least for IT, it's always generally fairly high. You know, it's a it's a market with a lot of turnover. Most people only stay in a position about two years until they get to like a certain level of seniority. But you always get like really good hiring in January, really good hiring like around July, because those line up well with certain parts of the fiscal calendar. Um, but now with the whole COVID thing going on and these kind of, there's these ways that a company says, okay, hey, I just can't sustain this number of people. I'm going to knock some people off. And another company saying, oh, well, hey, I don't have enough because maybe I laid off too many before and it opens back up. So you're not seeing this kind of more like, ebb and flow on a calendar year as you are in almost these like little just small bursts like we lost a lot of people from our area and i've kept up with most of them so the ones that got let go earlier are faring better than some of the ones that got let go later because you know they there was just a big burst at a couple of big companies like um you know i know some people landed over at amazon a couple other big names and you know the people that started looking about two three weeks later you know they're sitting with you know same skill sets but they're kind of sitting more in these kind of like temporary jobs to hold them over until they find something better. So it's, it's not that the jobs aren't there. They're there. They're just not following kind of the same trend that you generally expect to see in the IT industry. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I, so I'm, I'm going to take a pause from this for a moment because I just tasted my, um, my sizer. And with a little bit of back sweetening, with about, uh, I guess, about a teaspoon, maybe teaspoon and a half of honey per 
uh, two ounces of um, the sizer that's in a cup. As that honey starts to kind of infuse with it, it really brings out some of the apple flavors. And the, the it, it's it's like a very light white wine at that point. Yeah, I've been slowly adding some into mine because uh, I didn't use any of my honey I brought for the um... – the piment or the ginger no, beer? Yeah, the ginger beer, because I liked it, the dryness it was. And yeah, it helps the acid blend, which makes sense because, you know, hunting is fairly acidic. Yep. So take that with you, Will. I, you know, I think the wetness is with honey and without the actual dryness of it is good. But you do get a little bit, um, it's not quite as sour. You get a little bit more blend from the bite of the apple, which yep. honey is a good way to do that. There's people that use like commercial acid blends. And I generally don't favor that. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I mean, it's just essentially citric acid in a couple different varieties mixed together. Um, but I don't know. Honey is just, I won't say more natural, but it adds flavor other than just, hey, I've made this less acidic. This particular honey that I'm, that I'm putting in it is just like some regular honey. I would be interested mm-hmm. to see if like if I took some orange blossom or some wildflower honey and um, maybe I've got like a couple of these left. I might play with that and see what ends up happening with them. So yeah. anyways, uh, it just, just wanted to let you know if, if you ever try to make this, um, you should definitely back sweeten it with something um, to taste because that will help with the, with the flavor that's in it. Um, so back to the, uh, the state of the job market. Um, I think, you know, like the job market is also moving away from traditional it people. Like, so you, you have like your big companies that kind of lead trends and then you have like, um, people who are, um, you know, like your, so when I say lead trends, I mean like Amazon, Cisco, IBM, Microsoft, they're setting like kind of a norm for whatever is being done. They might have some exciting things they're doing, but if you work for one of those companies, like you have to be a top performer, uh, or you tend to be like, you have to be at a certain peak of things, right? And then you have these like startups that are doing things that are disrupting some of the industries that those companies are in so the, you know they're trying to do um like linode does where they're they're offering a better price and you know maybe even some better performance for um you know some things that are going on with um like an s3 type situation right mm-hmm. um which that's probably going to be my next project is to play with some linode uh, VMs and see what I can do there and maybe even play with their S3 storage. Cause I, I had, um, just side note. Um, I had, you know, some, some other cloud hosted kind of like stuff set up, um, in the past and that that's always been fun, but, um, I've heard that Linode has some, some better offerings. So I'm going to, I'm going to go look, check that out pretty soon. Uh, so future, future podcast. Um, but you know, back to the job market. If, you know, you, you aren't like right now, it's really popular to say, I don't want a traditional network engineer, or I don't want anyone who's a traditional this or traditional that. And I want a developer who also has the like 50 years of traditional networking and a hundred years of, uh, go, you know, like experience. And I want them to know Ansible and I want them to know DNAC and I want them to know, um, uh, 
Azure and I want them to know, you know, this thing. And when I plug them in, they can just create anything I want them to. Like I, as a manager, can go to them and say, hey, I want this. And they're a unicorn, right? Because you don't, that, like, I mean, most of the languages or the technologies haven't been around as long as people want people to have experience with them, right? So the job market is really in favor right now of the employer. Um, and I find that to be fascinating because I don't think that it should be that way right now, but it is because they flooded the market with so much good talent yeah. and those people are just trying to get jobs again. Um, that is one of the really bad things that have come out of this kind of technology area right now. There's been a lot of traditional people that have really good skills, you know, in traditional server management or traditional hosting or traditional, you know, something like that. And they're great talent, but they don't have Python experience or something like that. Um, and people are looking for that sort of stuff right now. Um, and they're also, they've got so much to choose from. They're not necessarily willing to take a bet on someone that's maybe more junior yeah, um, and, and put them in as something that's more senior. I've yeah. Had, I mean, it's, it's not as bad as 2008, but you, you got hundred percent right. There's a lot of people looking to pay, you know, junior salary for senior people. Yep, exactly. So just be aware that, um, you know, if, if you're out there in the job market that, you are in a place where if you haven't, if you've got a job, you're privileged because of that. And, and I don't mean that like in a negative way. I just mean, hey, you know, thank, thankfully you have a job right now, and especially in, in the tech industry. Um, but if you're not, if you're a traditional engineer and you are looking to make yourself more valuable, just learning Linux is not enough anymore. You need to learn some Python and you probably need to learn it at a level where you can actually write po programs on your own without anyone needing to tutor you. Um, you know, five years ago you were a unicorn. If you could do that two years ago, you were amazing. If you could do that, um, just write like some Python stuff, but now everyone just kind of expects network engineers to do that. And you know, it's, it's not really what we've been taught. And so if some of that's, you know, a failing of the industry, but some of that's also a failing of being able to like kind of project where we're going and, and let that, and let the, the people know that are out yeah. there. Yeah. I think part of it is also really the industry does can't decide on how much of that do they want to know. Like I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm wrapping up my CCMP and the new test has, automation on it so i'm taking some official cisco training you know what kind of what they sell to people especially for a new test that's probably the what you're going to find the best because cisco knows what's on their exam more than anybody else especially like for the first couple months it's out but the stuff that like in their own practice tests and you know in their own like little tutoring the python that's in there is not enough to do anything i mean they they check it you know they hit a text box and they say all right yeah you have to know Python to get this exam. But, you know, as someone who studies both and taking some of the like after chapter reviews, it's like, all right, yep, I missed some network stuff there. I need to go back and learn more of that. I didn't even read the chapter on Python. 
and the questions were laughable. Got 100% on it. I mean, I'm not convinced what they're asking you to know in Python is even really enough to write simple automation. But this is supposed to be, you know, a topic at a professional level. And I can tell you, it's not enough to actually do the job. You know, I, I know they have their own developer line that goes more into it. But saying that this needs to be what the traditional network engineer knows, I guarantee you they're going to be asking their employees to do more. And that sets you up in a bad position. Whereas like Google's, I think the opposite. I, I was reading some people's discussion about Google interviews for Google Fiber. And they want so much coding that maybe you just don't have the network skills you need. I think we just haven't gotten to the point that these industry leaders are really deciding on how much of column A, how much of column B is adequate? And really, you can, uh, uh, from experience, I have learned that you can take a network engineer and teach them what they need to learn to be able to code competently um, with Python. I'm not going to speak about any other language because I know that C++ and some other things are a bit harder. Um, but with Python, you can teach them what they need to be able to do, you know, fairly competent stuff. But if you were, if you try to do it the other way around and you take, and, and I'm not being um, insulting of, of developers, but they just have a different focus a lot of times. And you take a developer and you try to throw them into a place to where they know these deep things about network engineering that's a lot harder to teach them because that is a very in-depth topic that requires a lot of time to learn. And oftentimes they either don't have the time to learn it for a project or they're not willing to learn it because they've got other things that they're focusing on. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think part of it is, I mean, there's two facets to it really. One, if you're doing network automation, you're automating a network. So you already have to know a lot about the network to understand what needs to be automated. And there's some levels that you extrapolate that, like people that are making like web tools and stuff. Um, you know, you don't need to know as much about the network because you're really just kind of grabbing some data off of it. And your real focus is building up this web page or some sort of data store in the back end. But then there's also the side of it that when you're coming in here, you're going to try and bridge the skill sets. IT is very much about raw knowledge and then critical thinking as a secondary. And that's like, that, that might sound harsh, but what I mean about that is there's no amount of critical thinking you can have that you can just look at a network and understand it. You need yep. to know the protocols. You need to know the way that these devices really communicate on all their various layers. Whereas programming is really a lot critical thinking first. It's why you don't see as many like, you know, certifications for Java, Python, C++, because they're just tools. And a software developer's primary job is solving problems. You know, because you know, at a certain level, a lot of these systems, no matter what language you're in, they communicate the same. They've got their own set of standards. Networks are, are very similar. It's just there's more standards, and there's a lot of standards that don't play together very well. But there's some that do, and they change every year. I mean, yep. EIGRP used to be Cisco proprietary, isn't anymore. Yeah, now it's open so, source. Yep, so now you're going to find 
devices running it that never used to run it before and maybe their particular implementation of it isn't as good you know it's not a strike against it either team it's just they're specialized in different things and at a certain level it's up to the employer to try and understand that balance instead of just having the slap on saying everybody's devops now or everybody's this now because you're just forcing people to make this bridge as best they can and if you're not there to guide them and lead them in that transition you can't be surprised if the bridges aren't good now, yeah. now that we've said that, if you're going to work in IT, you still need those traditional skills. Yeah. But you also need 50 years of Go and 30 years of Python and 75 years of Perl. Like, and I know I'm being a little bit exaggerative, but like, seriously, you need to know Ansible, AWS, Perl, Python, like, all, like something within that so well that you also know it as well as a developer does. Yeah. We'll that, see about that. I, that's I've got a, that's a little hard. Well, that, I, I'm, 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 I'm telling you from, from a job, we, we can talk about what job, um, uh, you know, kind of, um, interviews and things like that, that I set on recently, because that's not really something we should talk about on the podcast, mm -hmm. but the 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 point of it is the expectation from the leadership and the industry bosses of this is one thing and what like the people that know to be able to have these skills is a complete yeah other. yeah it yeah. is and that that's kind of more what i wanted to note on it is that you often see those job descriptions generated by hr and management and the reality of what the job needs are so different. And there's even been, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, that was a very common tactic, you know. Even, I mean, as recently as a couple of years ago, as a way to say, hey, look, we interviewed somebody. We, you know, we brought people in, but none of them fit this criteria. So now let's look at the H1, you know, B1 sort of things. You know, and it's just an excuse to... I've checked the boxes so that I can start looking at other job markets. That'll be cheaper. Be able to pull people in that necessarily, they don't really, I, I, so I work with a lot of people that have gotten these H1B1s and some of them are great. Some of them aren't. It is just because it's somebody from a cheaper job market doesn't mean it's better. Um, anyways, the whole point of this talk is, if you're if you're looking for a job right now, you should be really um, preparing yourself to know some development. You need to know, and Python is what I think you should know. Probably you're going to have to know some like esoteric language language in about a year or two that is not popular right now. So I would suggest really focusing on the fundamentals of yeah. programming and the logic behind it more than just knowing verbatim how Python works because you will be a better developer if you can do that and yeah. writing good code, like making sure that you have best practices in how you write code instead of focusing on knowing everything about one particular language. Cause you can always learn more about that one particular language, but if you don't know how the basics of coding work, you're going to fail some, some interview questions. Absolutely. So let's move on to talking about wine again, because I'm getting depressed. <laughs> um, so I made some strawberry wine. 
Uh, I, I'm gonna tell you the recipe real quick, and you tell you can tell me what you think about it. But I think you'll you'll be okay with this. Uh, so basically, it is. Um, where did I put that? Oh yeah, right. One gallon of water with one uh, one pound nine ounces of corn sugar, um, and then three point five pounds of blended. You know, like I took an immersion blender and like crushed them all up strawberries. I heated them up a little bit to uh, kill any bacteria or anything like that in it, made sure that they were warm, left them overnight to cool with a top on them in a, you know, bucket. Cause this is too, like with the bag and everything it was a little bit too much. Um, and then, um, and I also removed the uh, green stems, the tops from the strawberries. I made sure I got that out. Well, one of my daughters helped me with that. Um, you know, she got all that out. But then I left it overnight. Then I had some yeast holes, some yeast nutrients. I know that you said they're the same thing. They're slightly different. One is just yeast hulls, and the other had other things in it. But I should have added two two tablespoons. And I don't necessarily want to go the full route of just adding yeast nutrient to everything. So I'm trying to see if I can just add like half and half, if yeah. that works pretty well. They seem to have gotten very active in some of my other things, like the banana wine and everything. As a matter of fact, I made a hibiscus apple cider thing that I think is going to be good because it smells so delicious. But um, it it has half yeast holes, half um, uh, yeast nutrient, and it has fer half Fermax. And so I'm seeing how that turns out and if it turns out well. But I also threw some uh, a tablespoon of pectin in it, uh, pectin uh, in pectic enzyme. Uh, to be able to like help some of that fall out. One of the problems that I saw with this, just before you say anything, is I put all the mush from the um, the strawberries in a in a bag, and um, like you know, like we did with the cherries when we did yeah. the cherry mead. Um, I put all the mush in there, and um, you know, like that worked out well. But the um, the the bag did not keep the the acines the the seed I, I guess it's how you say the acne acines you know whatever it didn't keep the seeds from coming out so I have seeds all floating around in my brew it smells like it smells just like strawberry juice mm -hmm. it smells amazing I don't know how it's going to turn out but uh, if it turns out it'll be about if it goes dry at this point it'll be about eight percent ABV. So tell me what you think about that, that, uh, that recipe there. I mean, that's not too bad. I mean, that's pretty close to what I would do. Um, and to be fair, I've not done a lot of strawberry stuff, so I'm not an expert on it. Um, I don't know as much about it as I do like apples and grapes and other things like that. Um, one thing you might do, depending on how it comes out, you may want to add some back sweetening with honey or some other fruit juice. Because one of the things with strawberries is even though the juice, like if you put it in like a pH strip, is acidic, it's about the same as like apple juice. It contains a lot of alkaline properties. Right. So I'm wondering what the end acid balance is actually going to look like. So what I'm hoping to do is add some, like depending on how it tastes, I'm going to let it go as dry as it will. I want to taste it and see how it tastes at the end mm -hmm. of that. And if it is what I think it's going to taste like, I'm hoping to add some, like maybe some Demerara sugar or something like that to it to add to the flavor. Mm 
mm-hmm. um, and then add some spices to it to be able to bring up those secondary flavors. Gotcha. Secondary. Yeah, that might work really well. I know at a commercial level, it's very popular to mix in some pear juice as well, since yeah. that's very mildly flavored, but um, has some good synergy with its acid content. I'm not sure that I want to do another juice. I want to just really see what I can do to bring out some of those nice, yeah. bright uh, berry flavors that strawberries have. So I'm thinking of some things that like really um, work with strawberry. Um, so like I may add a little bit of, um, so I've, I've done like a, a, like a Merlot strawberry thing before where I've, I've like put um, strawberries that I was going to freeze in Merlot. And then I've like flash frozen them and then, um, taken them out and made like a compote with them and then put mm-hmm. that like in a dessert. And that has been amazing. So like trying to pull out some of those kind of, not the grape flavors, but some of the other like flavors that Merlot has. Um, sometimes it has like a kind of, um, like berry flavor. That's, that's all yeah, I know how to, yeah. so like finding some spices, like maybe even cardamom, um, that could go with it and see if I can pull out some of those spice flavors. Like I would like when I'm baking something, to make it come out in a nice way. Uh, that's what I'm looking for with this, I think at this point. So we'll see, but, uh, I'm glad you approve. This is the first recipe that I've brought up to you that you've been like, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> yeah. Well, part of it is probably also, I don't have much experience with it. I've made a couple strawberry things that it does sound like kind of exactly what I would do, uh, especially in the primary. Um, and we'll see where that turns out. Maybe we make a couple things like this. We realize, uh, maybe, you know, X needs to be changed, but it's on paper. I don't see anything wrong with it. Well, so one of the things that inspired me to do this was that strawberry wine that you made mm-hmm. that was very sugary sweet. And I loved, I, I like that, that stuff turned out so amazing. I loved it, but I wanted to tone down the sugariness of it yeah, and bring up some of the berry flavors. So I'm trying to do that with this. Um, make it a little bit drier and not as sweet. Um, uh, hopefully that makes, that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Cause yeah. that's kind of what I hope to do with the next one I make is it was sweet and it was good, but it was a little bit too sweet and didn't have enough other, other stuff in it, which to be fair, I didn't put anything else in it. Yeah, so, it you know, it's yeah. to be expected, but yeah, it really could have benefited. It had like a good primary. It had nothing in secondary. It could so really what, benefit from a little something in it. What I'm thinking is, is that one day we'll take and we'll make that wine plus this, and then we make a blend of the two together, and mm-hmm. they'll be just awesome, amazing. Yeah, I could see it. Like, like, like the two together. So I'm, I'm hoping that I'll be able this may be like a completely failed thing. I don't know. Uh, it depends on if I can get those seeds to strain out without having to, I might have to do a different process for getting mm-hmm. the, the um, pulp in without the like crazy little black seeds that come with the strawberries. Yeah. So I, I'm going to read the next topic and then I just want to know what you, this is, we're going a little bit longer on, on this episode, but I feel like we need to talk about these last two things a little bit. Mm-hmm. So um, what do you think about this next topic that I have? It's always important to plan your pet's toys to be bigger than the gap between the furniture and the floor. Absolutely. Let me tell you, that's a lesson we learned really early with our first dog when we were on our own. Um, and I feel like with dogs, it's not that hard. Like once you like, you're conscious about it, they make such a wide variety in toy sizes 
because there's so many varieties of dog. It's like, you know, okay, you know, even if my dog is considered small, I need the medium toy because he'll just lose it everywhere. What angers me is they don't do the same for kid toys. Haven't bought a toy in years that uh, for a dog that's gone on the couch, but almost everything my daughter touches will slide underneath the couch. No issue. Absolutely correct. We bought my dog in January a little soccer ball that's a squeaky toy, and he lo- <laughs> he loves this thing. And it was just a small little squeaky toy, and he's considered a medium-sized dog. It was a medium-sized dog toy. Mm-hmm. I gave it to him. He loves it. He is obsessed with it. But I had to take it away from him because the way he plays with it, it just rolls under everything. Yeah. And then he'll start like going nuts because he can't get to it, right? Uh, but he loves it so much. I want him to have that. So I got him this little spiky football thing that's made for a large dog. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> he loves it so much. Like it is, it is the best thing ever. I love throwing it to him and it won't go under anything. It's too big to go un- under anything, but this one chair we have, and he can get it back out of that chair, out from yeah. underneath that chair. So like, it's amazing. Just putting that out there, I didn't know. I didn't even know if you'd know what I was getting at with that, but I just had to talk about the little blue football that has little—it's—it's it's like little uh, flavor sensors or something like that—but it gives them a texture to chew on. And I'll just okay. throw it up in the air. I can't do it right now because he's obviously got his—you know—had just had a surgery recently. Mm-hmm. But I throw it up in the air, and he catches it. And then like he chews on it and he just loves chewing on it right now. What I have to do is just kind of place it in his mouth and then he'll yeah. like chew on it. He's like, yeah, I guess this is good, but he'll, he'll do this like really cute thing. Where he'll stick his head up in the air to like, chew on it. It's great. It's awesome. Um, if, if we could put pictures on the podcast, I would put his picture chewing on that. That's this is like fantastic. Um, I can't wait until the day when this COVID stuff's over and you can come over and like actually see this happen in person. I think you'd love it, man. It'd be like the D and D thing uh, yeah, to have happen. Yeah. yeah, I'm waiting. I mean, eventually, whenever this lets up, I'm excited to to do D and D in person again. Yeah. Like online is fun. It's not bad, but there's something about everybody being at the table that's just nice. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally miss that. Um. So, have you? Did you ever have an iPod? Like at any point in time. I did. I had um, like a used iPod in college for a little bit. I didn't really have much money, so it was like an older one. It was uh, what maybe the Nano, whatever the one that had like a little clip on it that was super small was. Um, and I love that thing. The early Gen iPods were amazing. Not to say the newer ones are bad. I've just never used any of the newer ones. So I had a fifth Gen iPod video. It was not the 5.5 Gen, not the, not the, the revision, but the fifth Gen video and i loved that thing like i've used it forever um i have plans to take the hard drive out of it and replace it with a flash card Mm. um um there's a place called uh oh i flash i think is what it's called that that replace it so that this guy this guy does this youtube channel it's called dank pods you if you like music and you are into ipods in any shape form or fashion should watch his videos dank pods okay that's his thing um he's like from australia he does stuff on audiophile stuff and headphones and things like that he's got some grado some um you know some uh, akg content like stuff that we've talked about 
totally like this guy's stuff. I mean, like, shout out anybody that's just on here. That even if you don't like audio stuff, go surprise, subscribe to his things. He deserves it. He's awesome. Join his Patreon. It's great. But, like, I started watching his content, and it just like I was like, man, you know, like, I've listened to Spotify and some streaming music for a while, but I keep, like, going back to listening to music on my computer because I have all my FLAC files and stuff like that. And that's the best sounding stuff, and I have my, like, really nice shit. And, and I mean, like, the S-H-I-T stuff. <laughs> um, the, but I have my Magni um, uh, Modi stack that I have here um, that I, I love. Like, I listen to music on it. I've got a special setup where I've got my uh, HD 590s with, uh, you know, like the the shit amplifier and some other stuff. The only reason we haven't talked about it is because I can't get you to come over here and listen to it. <laughs> um, because I've got it set up in a way that you wouldn't be able to listen to it. Right. Unless you're here physically to listen to it. And I think we've kind of like touched about like touched on like that. I love really great audiophile stuff, but I've got this set up and you know, the Wolfson DAC that's in most, um, uh, of the, uh, you know, iPod stuff is just fantastic. But anyways, the whole point that I'm, that I'm getting to is I took an iPod mini. So that's not the nano. That's the, this is a bit thicker. It only has like a, a, a black and white screen. So it's only got a, a, an LED screen with a backlight that you like, you press the, the menu button, hold it in and the backlight will come on. And so it's not like, you know, light sensitive or anything like that. But I swapped out the battery and I, I put like all this other stuff. I bought one off of eBay for like, I don't know, it was like 30 bucks or 40 bucks. It already had like some stuff on it. And then I added a flash card to it that was 128 gigs. And let me tell you, I have so much space on this thing to listen to music and high res music. It's not quite flat, but it's AIFF. Uh, and during this process, like I bought a couple of, uh, I, I spent some extra money to buy some extra iPods that were on sale. And so I got like, you know, some six gig and eight gig and two gig models of the, uh, iPod nano because I never had those and I wanted to play with them. I still love my, uh, iPod video the most out of everything, but second in line. And the thing that I'm carrying with me everywhere is my iPod mini. Love that thing now. It's got all of my playlists on it, all of my music. I love it. And I am enjoying my music collection in a way that I haven't in years. Um, and, and to the to the detriment and aggravation of my family sometimes. But I'm pulling out my all my headphones and I'm listening to them on it, all wired, of course. No Bluetooth. None of this crap where it's compressed. It is mm, so good amazing if you are interested in audio at all it was a 30-minute project for me to pull this thing apart using like the iFixit teardown stuff it probably cost me about a hundred dollars to do everything including the spudgers and everything to get it done maybe 120 so if you are interested in this at all if you have a physical music collection that you want to listen to on a regular basis this is the way to do it it's worth it. hundred percent worth it. You got anything to say about that? No, I will make a correction to what I said, though. I looked it up. What I had was a second-gen iPod Shuffle. Oh, 
the little those tiny things. one that you could clip to yourself. Yes, I have I have a one gig version of those. You can't modify those really. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Unfortunately, so look look up the iPod Mini, man, and uh, say so. Look up the second gen, four, four gig or eight gig mm-hmm. iPod Mini. That's what you want to get. That's the that is the sweet spot for being able to upgrade it to like 128 or 256 gigs. Okay. And you just get a, basically you just get a flash card that you can put on uh, a, a TF card because they accept a TF card in them. Um, but they're just, they're amazing. It's, it's awesome. If you love music and you, you want to disconnect from, because one of the things that annoyed me about having my music on my phone to listen to, like over like some whatever. Um, so, you know, like Bluetooth headphones or physically connected headphones. Anytime someone called me or anything, it would interrupt my music. And I don't want to accept the call. I want to listen yeah. to my song, right? So um, I love that I can listen to music while I'm thinking about stuff and I don't get interrupted by calls. And then I can come back to a call and answer it later, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. And I'm not talking about like if my wife's out of the house and I know that she's going to be gone for a while, I know that I need to have my phone near me so that I can listen to it. That's not the thing I'm talking about right now. But like when somebody calls me, it's like a spam call. I don't want it to interrupt the music that I'm trying to like zone out to. Right. Exactly. Totally takes me out of everything. So this, I, I didn't realize how good I had it in 2006. <laughs> like it was just so great uh, when I had these, this sort of technology available to listen to like stuff and make my own play playlists and stuff like that. The only thing that like I really love like from like Spotify and stuff like that is being able just to have new music at my fingertip. I've discovered a new band and if they're on Spotify, I can just listen to whatever they have. Right. Um, that's awesome. I still think that Spotify and my, my favorite has always been Google music, but now that that's kind of going away, Spotify and Google music were like kind of my thing that I loved. Um, YouTube music's okay. It's still got a long way to go to like kind of catch up with some of those other features that these other things had. Um, but want to discover a new artist, want to listen to their music. That's great. But then once I buy the physical media, which I still buy CDs and records, and I want to make them into a FLAC or an AIFF, there's no better way to enjoy that than an iPod so far. There, there's some FIO players that are out there that I'm interested in getting and seeing if they're as good. But the iPod, man, that's great. Love it. So I, I don't know. I, I've been babbling on. I got on my soapbox. Do you want to say anything about that <laughs> before? No, we... it's certainly a cool project. Um, I mostly stream my music because I just I like switching between stuff as, as much as I do. But I've started to hit that stride now with a couple new bands that I found. It's like man, I could really use maybe some actual media from these guys because I've run into some issues a couple times where, where you know the songs will just get removed either from the artist's decision or some like copyright claim and like songs I really like go missing. And most of the time I never listen to them that much anyway, so I'll just go to the next thing. I found a couple bands recently that I'm I'm really enjoying. I think I want to secure some of that music. You want to give a shout out to any of those bands? Oh, if you'll give me a second to look at them on my phone, trying to remember who these people are. So if you like heavy metal, I'll tell you who I love. It's the sword. 
they're doing some like classic heavy metal in some great ways. And if you haven't heard used future or warp riders and you're into metal, like classic heavy metal, talking about black Sabbath type stuff, Led Zeppelin, that sort of stuff, check out the sword. Also, there's a band called Damone that's like more kind of pop punk. Um, they really don't have any new new records. One of one of their members died, and like it's kind of you know like made like a problem for them and stuff like that. And I don't really know what the state of the band is, but the lead singer she is got a really nice voice, and they've got like more of like a kind of pop punk kind of rock and roll um, flavor to them. But they do some they do some pretty good stuff. They're a good band to check out too. Yeah. So the one I've been fond of recently is called Dead's Rock. And they've got a song. I think it's Living Proof. I got too many of them here in my playlist. I don't want to like blow it up on the the actual podcast. But um it's like a blues rock song that is just super good. I'm loving it. What what was the name of it again? Uh, I think it's Living Proof. Living Proof. I'll have to check them out. So I, I secretly, guys, I just did that so that Ricky would tell me what type of music he's listening to, so I can check it out. <laughs> because I yeah, like to there's, check out there's a couple ones from these guys that I'm really liking. The more now that I've wikied it, it looks like it's just the name of the. It's like a solo project from uh, the lead artist, and even in some other bands. Hmm. But um, he's got a couple of good ones. That one's really good. Uh, Let me live, let me die is pretty nice. Well, I'm currently just just all about right now. I've got like four or five of his songs on repeat. Definitely check that out and see if it's see if it's any good. Well, um, other than that, do you have any anything else you want to say about? I encourage you, man. If you, I, I know you have some disposable income to prob- probably um, <laughs> like do something like this. So I think you should. I would I love I would love for you to come back the next time we do like some. Joe, I bought an iPod and it's amazing. <laughs> We'll be there soon. I like, you're right. I've, I've got some more income right now. I'm literally probably weeks away from paying off the very last of my debt. And then I told myself I'm allowed to have play money. And so I got a couple of things on my play, my play money list that I want to start looking at. So I'm looking at living proof. Um, give me one of their songs. Um, well, no, that is the song. So the band is, uh, I'll put it in chat. Okay. Is Des Rocks. And the song is Living Proof. Des Rocks. Okay. D-E-S-R-O-C-S? Yep. All right. Awesome. I got it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow them. I'm going to check them out, see if, they're, see if I, they're my type of music. Uh, sometimes we agree, sometimes we don't on music. So we'll see how it turns out. But it's worth it. So awesome. Yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, uh, I think I, I think an hour is enough for this this one particular podcast. We went a little over, um, but I'm going to go ahead and end it here. Is that cool with you? All right, sounds good. All right, well, thank you everybody for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, if you uh, want to check us out, we'll be back next week. So uh, hopefully uh, we'll catch you next time. And otherwise, thanks for listening. <laughs>